answering the difficult and critical questions youth may face that relate to Mormon culture and teachings. This is the Rise Up Podcast, produced by Fair Mormon. difficult questions about the church arise from critics, while other difficult questions come from just living life. This week we approach the difficult question, what is my mission in life? With this question comes several other, let's just call them sub-questions, that we often ask at the same time, like, what job should I get? Where should I go to school? Is this a person I should date or marry? Maybe even the question, is the church true? Or is the Book of Mormon true? And if so, then what? Because each individual is given the gift of agency or the ability to spend the time we have been given in this life for what we choose, it would seem like a good idea that we use that agency in the best possible way. For that same reason, discovering and determining our mission and purpose in life is all the more intimidating. I want to share with you some thoughts that I hope will reinforce the importance of finding our mission. Not just because I want to make the question all the more intimidating, but because I think that the more we realize just how important that decision is, the more we'll come to understand that because of this high priority, God has put in place all that is needed for us to discover our mission, but also to succeed in that mission. Knowing how important this is to God may help us have more confidence to approach Him in prayer, knowing that He is anxious to bless us with this knowledge. As with all the quotes that I share that come from other recordings or other firesides, I'll leave you the link for the full presentation at the posting of this episode at blog.fairmormon.org. Now, this is so that you can spend more time researching the main source as well as the context in which the quote is given. Now, to start off, I want to share some parts of a presentation given by Sister Patricia Holland at a BYU devotional entitled, Filling the Measure of Your Creation. It was given back in 1989 when her husband, Jeffrey R. Holland, was president of the university. She said the following, All of us face those questions about our role, our purpose, our course in life, and we face them long after we are children. I visit with enough of you, and I remember our own university years well enough to know that many of you, perhaps most of you, have occasions when you feel off balance or defeated, at least temporarily, and we ask, what will I be? When will I graduate? Whom will I marry? What is my future? How will I make a living? Can I make a contribution? In short, what can I be? Take heart if you are still asking yourself such questions, because we all do. I do. We should concern ourselves with our fundamental purposes in life. Surely every philosopher, past and present, agrees that that important as they are, food and shelter are not enough. We always want to know what's next. 
Where is the meaning? What is my purpose? When asking these questions, I found it extremely reassuring to remember that one of the most important and fundamental truths taught in the scriptures and in the temple is that every living thing shall fill the measure of its creation. Every one of us has been designed with a divine role and mission in mind. I believe that if our desires and works are directed towards what our Heavenly Parents have intended us to be, we will come to feel our part in their plan. We will recognize the full measure of our creation, and nothing will give us more holy peace. I once read a wonderful analogy of the limitations our present perspective imposes on us. The message was that in the ongoing process of creation, our creation, and the creation of all that surrounds us, our Heavenly Parents are preparing a lovely tapestry with exquisite colors and patterns and hues. They are doing so lovingly and carefully and masterfully. And each of us is playing a part, our part, in the creation of that magnificent, eternal piece of art. But in doing so, we have to remember that it is very difficult, very difficult for us to assess our own contributions accurately. We see the rich burgundy of a neighboring thread and think, that's the color I want to be. And then we admire yet another's soft, restful blue or beige and think, no, those are better colors. They're much better than mine. That's what I want to be. But in all of this, we don't see our work the way God sees it, nor do we realize that others are wishing they had our color or position or texture in the tapestry, even as we are longing for theirs. Perhaps most important of all to remember is that through most of the creative period, we are confined to the limited view of the underside of the tapestry, where things can seem particularly jumbled and muddled and unclear. If nothing really makes very much sense from that point of view, it is because we are still in the process and we are unfinished. But our Heavenly Parents have the view from the top, and one day we will know what they know, that every part of the artistic whole is equal in importance and balance and beauty. They know our purpose and potential, and they have given us the perfect chance to make the perfect contribution in this divine design. This is where faith comes in learning to trust God to guide our lives in such a way that we will actually get to a point where our greatest potential is realized. While this may seem scary and even intimidating at times, starting with a simple desire to know our mission and purpose in life is a huge step in the right direction. Sister Holland continues in talking about the importance of starting with the right desire. The Lord has promised us in, the, in Doctrine and Covenants 12, verse 7, that the only qualification required to be a part of this magnificent plan is to, and I quote, have desires to bring forth and establish this work, 
Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. Sometimes in our sowing and reaping and sifting, it might seem like God says, No, or not now, or I don't think so. When what we really want for him to say, what we wish our tapestry to receive, is an affirmative yes, or certainly right now, or of course it can be yours. I want you to know, though, that in my life, when I have had disappointments, and I have, and when I have had delays, I have lived long enough to see that if I continue to knock with unshakable faith and persist in my patience, waiting upon the Lord and His calendar, I have discovered that the Lord's no's are merely preludes to an even greater yes. I have a five-year-old daughter who's incredibly headstrong and is very determined to get what she wants when she wants it. But she's also learning that asking mom and dad the right way increases her chances of getting what she wants when she wants it. But just as we may find with our earthly parents, our heavenly parents know what's best for us and when is the best time for us to, to experience those blessings. In the times in my life when I have sought to find answers to prayers, whether they be prayers for answers to questions about gospel topics or for what to do with my life, I forget that answers come in, in a couple different ways. They can be a yes, do that. They can be a no, don't do that. Or they can be a not yet. That answer, the not yet answer, is probably the hardest for me because when that answer comes, I feel as if I have to guess as to when that answer turns into a yes. To further complicate things, sometimes the answer that was a not yet can actually turn into a not anymore. It's no longer the right thing to pursue. I can echo Sister Holland's statement. The Lord's no's are merely preludes to an even greater yes. And because of this, the quest to discover what our mission is in life is an ongoing and repeated effort. Elder John H. Groberg gave a really good presentation at BYU back in 1979 entitled, What is Your Mission? He also talked about the importance of finding our mission and implied the importance of rediscovering or reconnecting with our divine work over and over again throughout our lives. He, he ushers in this process of discovery with this quote. Let me begin by asking you a very simple question. The question is this. What is your mission? Now, you might stop and think, well, let's see, I served in Japan or I served in Virginia or wherever, and that's fine, but that's not what I'm asking. I mean, what is your mission now? What is your mission in life? What does God expect you to accomplish during your sojourn here upon the earth? And are you doing it? I hope that in the next few moments, with the help of the Spirit of the Lord, we can all realize anew, if we haven't realized it, uh, if we have known it before or 
reaffirm in our lives the importance of at least three things. First, that God, our Father in heaven, does have a specific mission for all of us to fulfill and perform here upon the earth while we're here. That we can, in this life, here and now, discover what that mission is. And thirdly, that with his help we can fulfill that mission and know and have assurance here and now, in this life, that we are doing that which is pleasing to our Father in heaven. Now, those are all very, very important concepts, and they're all true. If we don't know what our mission is, if we're not sure, if we're uncertain as to whether we are in fact fulfilling it, if we don't have the positive assurance in our lives that our actions and our performance are pleasing to our Father in heaven, and it doesn't really matter what else we're spending our time doing, it's not as important as finding out what we should be doing and having the assurance that we are doing it. Or, put another way, if we are really interested in doing our Father's will, we had better pay the price, whatever price is necessary, pray however fervently we must, study the scriptures and listen to the brethren however intently needed, or, in short, do whatever is required so that we can have the assurance that we are doing what our Father in heaven wants us to do, that we're moving in the general area of the mission he has for us to perform. And, obviously, that mission will be different for different ones of us. I want to share my testimony that God can and does reveal his will for our lives to individuals all over the world every day. I know that he has done that for me in my life at different times. I've also witnessed that people will encounter trials. They may even experience trials of their faith that will cause them to question their life path. Others may be searching for an answer to other difficult questions and feel that they're not able to find answers to those questions or overcome those trials. When this happens, some feel that the option to give up, to stop trying to live gospel standards, is their best option, given the circumstances. Others may even consider that they must not be loved of God or that maybe there is no God because he is still being silent in their lives. I felt similarly in some trials that I've experienced, and and in my own way, I felt those feelings, and they can be very scary. When this happens, some come to a decision that much of what they believed in their life prior is either a lie or some kind of wasted effort. However, the level of doubt I felt during those times of trial has been exceeded by the level of assurance and peace that I know after having heard the voice of the Lord confirm to me my life's mission. And I testify that 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 voice, that that assurance and peace does come. There are things that we need to do to, or that need to take place in order for us to be receptive to God's voice, to the influence of our divine parents. We need to first have the willingness, mentioned earlier, a willingness to not just want an answer, But as Moroni put it in Moroni chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, we must listen to God's voice with real intent. In this case, real intent is not just really wanting to know, but really wanting to follow the answer that is given. Only doing what God wants, if it matches what we want, is not obedience. It's not even wise. I can say with a surety that God lives and that he does guide us back to him 
if we are willing to follow the path that he will place in front of us, regardless of the challenges that may lie in that path. Next, look to the unique talents with which the Lord has blessed you. Look at who you are and the experiences you have, no matter how tragic they may appear. These experiences can be utilized in the work of blessing others and bringing comfort to those who stand in need to bring others unto Christ. For some, our purpose may have little to do with career or education. For some, it might be that for a time, God may need us to simply be there for someone else, to be a disciple of Christ, to be a comfort to those who stand in need of comfort. This is not a diminished calling or a lesser mission in life. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to be rich. Sometimes the opposite is what the Lord has in place for us at any given time. And and again, these answers are different for each person. Therefore, it's important that each individual person spend time in prayer and meditation to discover what the Lord has in store for each individual. Consequently, this also makes it difficult to pass judgment on the choices of others. This is also why we should not rush the process of coming to know our mission life. The answers will come. They may not come right away, but they will assuredly come to all who seek with real intent. God is not a revelation vending machine. We don't just pay a price and get the revelation as soon as we ask for it. There's much more to consider with this subject, so I will recommend listening to the full talks from both Sister Holland and Elder Groberg as those talks will offer additional insights in this effort to help you find your mission in life and to live in such a way so as to fulfill it. So for now, Sister Holland shares these thoughts with which I will conclude. When my daughter Mary was just a small child, she was asked to perform a talent for a PTA contest. And this is her experience, exactly as she wrote it in her seven-year-old script. I was practicing the piano one day, and it made me cry because it was so bad. Then I decided to practice ballet, and it made me cry more. It was bad, too. So then I decided to draw a picture, because I knew I could do that good. But it was horrid, and of course it made me cry. Then my little three-year-old brother came up, And I said, Duffy, what can I be? What can I be? I can't be a piano player or an artist or a ballet girl. What can I be? He came up to me and whispered, You can be my sister. In an important moment, Those five simple words changed the perspective and comforted the heart of a very anxious child. Life became better right on the spot, and as always, tomorrow was a brighter day. The Lord uses us because of our unique personalities and differences rather than in spite of them, and He needs all of us with all of our blemishes and all of our weaknesses and our limitations. So, 
What can I be? What can I be? We can be what Heavenly Parents designed us and intended us and help us to be. How does one fill the measure of his or her creation? By thrusting in a sickle and reaping with all our strength and by rejoicing in our uniqueness and in our difference. To be all that you can be, your only assignment is, number one, to cherish your course and savor your own distinctiveness. And number two, to shut out conflicting voices and listen to the voice within, which is God telling you who you are and what you will be. And number three, to free yourself from the love of position or profession or the approval of men by remembering that what God really wants us to be is someone's sister, someone's brother, and someone's friend. I bear you my testimony that each of you has a purpose. It is different, it is distinct, and it is divine. God loves you, and I love you. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rise Up. This has been a production of Fair Mormon. This and other podcasts are available at fairmormon.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Please subscribe to our show in iTunes under the name Mormon Faircast. Questions or comments can be posted at blog.fairmormon.org. Org in conjunction with this episode. Tune in each week for another episode of Rise Up. Thank you for listening. <laughs>